All right, church, go ahead and be seated and grab those Bibles. Either uh, open them up or turn them on, whatever it is, and, and, and make your way to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Last week, we, we looked at the first of five truths that kind of come out here in, in the end of uh, John's letter. And um, the first of five truths that, that we can believe and, and we can confess with great confidence and and that is because of the testimony of the water, uh, of the blood, and of the Spirit. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. Now this week, we're going to discover that those who believe in the Son of God have eternal life. And so this we also can proclaim with confidence. This is something that we know. And how do we know this to be true? Because in addition to the witness of the Holy Spirit... We have the witness of the Word of God. In 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13, it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, in order that you may know that you have eternal life. First of all, I want you to understand that eternal life is a gift. It is not something that can be earned, nor is it something that can be manufactured on our own. Jesus declares in John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Well, it is by grace that God gives us with the faith that we need in order to receive salvation. And then Ephesians 2, verse number 9 says, it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. May you know that this gift is, is something to be received. The gift is a person. What's to be received or who's to be received? That person is Jesus Christ. We receive eternal life not only from Christ, we receive eternal life in Christ. This gift is received by faith. God has gone on record in His Word as to offering eternal life to those who believe in His Son. That's why He says in 1 John chapter 5, beginning of verse number 11, He says, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Uh, hold your place there and just look back to, to 1 John chapter 2. Look at chapter 2. In chapter 2, verse number 25, he says, This is the promise which He Himself made to us. And then he said, what's the promise? The promise is eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. So people are, are trying to deceive them. And they're trying to deceive them in the understanding on how it is that someone receives eternal life. In light of chapter 2, in comparison to chapter 5, I firmly believe that John's statement about God's testimony is directed against the claims of false teachers that were out there trying to convince people that eternal life can be found in other ways other than through Jesus Christ. But God has directly affirmed that Jesus Christ is the only way to receive 
eternal life. To deny this is to call God a liar. So therefore, the question of whether we accept God's testimony or not is not just an academic question and answer. No, our, our answer to God's testimony will determine whether or not we ourselves will participate in eternal life. The fact that Jesus is the Son of God has already been established through verses 6-9. through nine. Here we see that believers have eternal life in relationship to and in union with Jesus Christ, who He Himself has declared that He is life. John chapter 1, verse number 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, so not only that, I want you to understand that, that we have eternal life, uh, not just from Jesus or in Jesus, but we have eternal life because of Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, beginning at verse number 8, says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Second Timothy 1, verse 10 says, But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And God's testimony concerning His Son results in eternal life. This reveals that eternal life is only obtainable through faith in Jesus Christ. God's testimony is that His Son is the only means by which someone can receive that gift. So in current theological context, with respect to salvation, John is clearly and convictionally, he is a theological exclusivist. It means there's only one way. There's not many ways. There's not other ways. There's not, you know, several ways. There is only one way to receive eternal life, and that is in and through Jesus Christ. And this conviction is affirmed here in verse number 11. And then it gets restated with even a greater force in verse number 12. Verse 12 says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So here, John states the relationship between having the Son and having life. Which means to possess the Son is to possess life in all of its fullness. So ultimately what matters for each and every person is what does that person do with Jesus Christ. See, eternal life is not something to be received sometime in the future. No, eternal life is a present tense possession. Look back to the text. Verse 12. It does not say he who has the Son will have the life. No. It says he who has the Son has the life. Is currently in possession of life. 
So eternal life is, is a here and now possession rather than a, a there and then promise. So those that believe now have everlasting life, which, which is the promise that God gives us throughout Scripture. John chapter 3, verse number 36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Again, present tense possession. You have eternal life. But he who does not abide, obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So those that believe have everlasting life. Those that do not believe, they don't have life. No, what they have is God's wrath abiding on them. So it should be noted that eternal life can't be earned, it can't be merited, it can't be credited, it can't be passed on to someone through their will. No, uh, eternal life is a gift that is given by God to those who believe in His Son. Which means, if you reject Jesus, then you don't have life. Nor will you ever receive life. To reject Jesus means that you have the wrath of God abiding and remaining on you. And in this verse, in verse number 12, John uses parallel phrases to balance out the first part of the verse. There are two significant changes that he makes in the second half of verse number 12. Uh, the first change is somewhat clear. Uh, the second change is harder to see in our translations, it's more clear to see in the original text. Let me walk you through those. Uh, the first change is the addition of the phrase of God to the, the, the title, the Son. Go, go back and look at verse 12. Starts off, he says, he who has the Son has life. Then the second half says that he who does not have the Son, and then he adds the phrase of God. And so John is reminding his readers that the Father and the Son are inseparable. It's impossible to have God as one's Father without also acknowledging Jesus as his Son. And so he adds that distinction to give clarity, to reinforce that truth. Now, now the second change is a bit more subtle. It's harder to see in our, well, you can't really even see it in our translation, but you can kind of see it in the original text. See, in the original text, the last part of the verse, the word life is actually placed before the verb have. So, so for those that are confused, it, it would read like this. The literal translation reads, he who has the son has the life. Then the second half says, he who does not have the son of God, life does not have. It's subtle. It, it, the, the shift is distinctive, though, because it stresses the fact that those who reject God's Son also reject the life that the Father offers through His Son. And so, therefore, to reject His Son means that you are without eternal life, that you are spiritually dead and disconnected from the Father. Paul writes about this. Ephesians chapter 2. From verse 1 through 7, he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked 
according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Then in verse 4 it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And it says in verse 6, And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I want you to do me a favor. Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel according to John. As you'll notice, I have none of the scriptures on the screens today. I did that for many reasons. One, to save me time during the week. But more importantly, the people that usually run the computer for me were involved up here because a deacon serve, and these men have been serving before they were even recognized, and I didn't want to add stress to Larry on the computer. I didn't know if Larry would be on the computer. I now look back there, and Larry's not on the computer. So I could have just brought stress into your life, and we would have been all good. Shame on me. But I want to show you some scriptures in the Gospel according to John. I'm going to walk through them in order here, so it should be easy for you to follow along. We'll start off in uh, John chapter 3. Because John's gospel contains many of Jesus' words that testify to the fact that eternal life is found by only believing in Him. And so in John chapter 3, beginning of verse number 11, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Verse 15 says, So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Again, have, not will have. The, the, the guarantee, the promises you currently have. You're in possession of eternal life. Look at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. John chapter 5, verse number 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Man, that's a, that's a great promise right there. Believing in God, trusting in Jesus, that you currently possess eternal life. You're no longer under the judgment and condemnation of God, but you have stepped over from death unto life. But there's more. John chapter 6, verse number 40. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. When there's a lot in John chapter 6. Look down at verse number 47. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. Verse number 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. A couple more. Look at John chapter 11. John chapter 11, beginning of verse number 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Man, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's scripture, man. That's a glorious truth right there. I mean, when you believe in Jesus, you have no fear of death. All you're doing is transitioning from this physical earth into the presence of God. Those that believe have been gifted eternal life. So for us that believe in Jesus, we have no need to fear dying because we understand what's to come. And what's to come is way, it's so much better than what we have right here. It saddens me when I hear believers that say, I'm just not ready to go. Are you kidding me? I'm ready. I know God's sovereign over all things. He's sovereign over me and my life. He's sovereign over my family and their life. If the Lord shall call me home, God has a perfect plan and purpose for them that God is better to take care of them than I can take care of them myself. I have no fear in dying. Because I understand what awaits those that believe in Him. He says, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's another beautiful reference to John chapter 14. I'll skip it now. I'll come back to it in a minute. Go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse number 31. He gives us the summary statement of why he wrote the gospel. He says, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, but, that, and that believing you may have life in his name. And the gospel, according to John, is that God makes eternal life available through belief in his Son. Man, more than just good news, man, that is some great and glorious news that we should be sharing with everyone. Yet, yet it's strange because many people take this wonderful message of hope and they try to turn it into something negative. They say things like eternal life only in Jesus. Really? I mean, that's the only way? What about all the other religions of this world? What about all those that are faithful and, and how they practice their religious beliefs? Are, are you really going to limit God to, to just salvation in and through Jesus? 
That's why we get the claim. How narrow-minded or, or how arrogant of Christians that claim that Jesus is the only way. And think about that. Isn't that amazing? And instead of rejoicing that God has solved the sin problem, giving us direct access into his presence, we'll find a way to nitpick and complain and say, well, he gave, why couldn't he give other ways? Why couldn't he just give a, a whole smorgasbord of options for people to follow? Well, the reality is, with great confidence, based upon the word of God, we can confess that by grace, through faith, Believers can be certain that they have eternal life. Eternal life is found in nothing or no one other than the person of Jesus Christ. And so whoever believes in God's Son has eternal life. Which means we don't need to wait for eternal life because eternal life begins the moment you believe. You, you don't have to work for eternal life because eternal life is a gift that's given to you through your faith in Jesus by God. So, so we don't have to wait for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to worry about it because it's God's gift to us. Not only did he gift us eternal life, he gave us a deposit on the guarantee of the gift of, of eternal life. He gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the seal of promise of what's to come for those that believe. Which means that the words of Jesus once again ring true. John chapter 14, verse number 6, where Jesus clearly states that I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through faith in Jesus Christ. John's words would make no sense that if in the end salvation could be obtained by just having sincere belief and practice in something. His words would make no sense. But let me be clear and let me confidently declare before you today that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life. The only hope that we have to stand before the presence of a holy and righteous God is by putting our faith and trust in His Son. There is not other ways. There are not many ways. There is only one way. And that one way is through His Son. For those of you that have yet to believe in the Son, my prayer is that the Spirit would gift you with the faith to receive that into your life. For those of you that believe in his son, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit would convict you to know that you have the message of hope. Therefore, we should take the message of hope and share it with everybody that we possibly can. Our community is in desperate need of what they can find in and through Jesus Christ. We have problems in this world. We have problems in our land. We have problems in our own community. The hope to those problems is found in and through Jesus Christ. Do you believe? Do you trust him? Do you have eternal life? I mean, this truth should reinforce the importance and the urgency for missions and evangelism. I mean, those should be the driving forces of who we are and what we do. 
that, that we would be eager to be creative in finding ways in which we can share the gospel with the people of our community. Sometimes I, I'm afraid that we've just gotten too casual in our approach to, to faith. Sometimes I think, I think we got too comfortable thinking, well, I'm in, so I'm good, so now I can just kind of rest and, and let other people serve. The beautiful reality is that God has brought us all together for a unique plan and purpose. And that if you're a child of God, then you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. And if you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, that he has given you a spiritual gift that is to be used for his glory and for his honor. The church should be collectively working together within our spiritual giftedness so that his name can be glorified and be made known throughout our community. You ever think about our community? What it looks like? Who we are? I think I was painted a, a different picture of our community before I got here. And I don't mean this, I'm not complaining. I'm just, the picture that I was painted was that our community is a retirement community. It's a leisure community where people go to retire and to relax. That is only one element that makes up this community. And I've discovered that if you'll do, uh, there's research that's conducted, if you take a five-mile radius of our actual building location, we have 10,000 people that live within a five-mile radius of this church. 10,000 people. 27% of those individuals have absolutely no faith involvement 27 percent of the 10,000 no faith involvement Uh, when you look at the largest lifestyle group that makes up this five mile radius of our church it is not the retiring group the largest lifestyle group in the five mile radius of our place is the middle american family it's young families that's what makes up the largest demographic of our area. And think about that. Because I think sometimes we, we have a, a, this other idea that, uh, that we don't have a lot of young families in this area. And they're all over the place. And, and so the question becomes, what are we doing to try to understand that, to, to, to recognize that, to, to, to develop plans, to to address that, and and how do we take the gospel and introduce it to these large middle American families that are all around us? I mean, surely there has to be something more than just a a wait for them to show up and then we'll be nice to them when they arrive. Surely there's more to to church than this, that, right? How how is somebody ever going to wake up in the morning on a Sunday and and go to church and go to First Baptist Kingsman to hear the the Word of God taught and the Word of God preached if they never even know that we are here and that we exist? How are they ever going to know that we're here and that we exist and that we love them if we're not out there knocking on doors, sharing the gospel with them, tell them who we are and tell them what we're about? We kind of just sit around and wait for divine inspiration to fall upon spiritually dead people to show up at a place that they have no idea of what really happens or how things happen. Surely there's got to be more that we can be doing. I think there is more. I think there's a lot more. 
But, but, but when doing more, it always comes down to, do we have the volunteers to pull it off? We had the people to pull it off. Look around. This is a great turnout, especially during the times of wearing masks and social distancing. I mean, look at who's here among us. And as you're here today, what gift has God given to you and how are you exercising that gift to share the gospel with other people? Well, I want you to be encouraged. Yes, we have a retirement community and that's a beautiful community that we actually, honestly, we need to be de- developing more specific ministry to meet those needs as well. And so the two largest groups that we have is the retiring community and the middle American families. And so we need systems and ministries in place that help to address both of those needs. But we're trying to do that. It's going to require help. A couple of weeks ago, my wife came up and, and shared a ministry opportunity that we're, we're giving consideration to. It's something that's not new to this church. It's something that was alive and active in this church for, for, for many years. And so we're, we're, we're giving consideration to introducing upward basketball back to this body. I can remember uh, when I got here, saying, well, tell me about upward basketball. And it was like, oh, no, we're not doing that anymore. And I was like, why, why, why not? I mean, we get to tell children about Jesus Christ every single week, and then we get to speak the gospel message into their families every single week as they come and they watch their children play basketball. I mean, does it get any better than that? Man, give them a ball, cheer them on, and share Jesus. It's a pretty simple process, highly effective, and it's a great opportunity for us to engage and to reach the middle American families that we are surrounded with. For those of you who are unfamiliar with upward basketball, take a minute and check this out. Hello, my name's Shane. I'm one of the guys on the team here at Upward Sports. We have a desire to be a faithful ministry partner to churches just like yours because we know the impact that sports can have on your community. Today, I just want to share with you three stories. The pastors and leaders in these stories have used sports as intentional ministry outreach. What I really hope you hear is the impact it had on their church and their community. This child came home one day and said, Daddy, tell me, tell me what it means to be on God's team. Tell me what it means to be a follower of Christ. Tell me what it means to be going to heaven one day and live with God eternally. Tell me what that means. And this dad looked with a blank stare in his face because he didn't know himself. This child had heard in their gospel presentation at the end of the season what it meant to be a Christ follower. And this dad had no clue what it meant. And he said, to be honest with you, I pride myself on knowing the answers when my children ask. And so I want to know the answer. And so this dad came to us with uh, just an open mind and a broken heart and said, tell me what it means to be a Christ follower because his child had challenged him to know what it means. And so uh, we were able to lead that dad and that little girl to Christ. And it, for me, had to fuel me for the next 10 years, just that one story. Well, it's, it's funny that we direct all of our attention toward affecting the children. But as an, the associate pastor of our church and been involved with it since day one, not, not in charge of it since day one, but in, involved in it since day one, I can tell you that our church has seen real benefits from it. Matter of fact, we have key people in leadership right now who are leading up ministries in our church that come to us as a direct result of our upward program. 
And um, so I would like to say that the kids get all of the benefit of it, but you know, we serve a big God, so our church and our leadership have, have been benefited uh, you know, beyond anything that I can tell you in words, really. We think sports is one of two or three of the best ways to connect with your community, to connect with lost people. Music would certainly be another one of those that everybody loves, but particularly in America, we're a sports-crazy culture, and so that's where lost people are. They have a passion just like we do for sports, and so it doesn't make sense to us that a church not do sports ministry. You've got a great tool. Why in the world aren't you investing and using that to build a bridge to your community? If your church is looking for new ways to reach your community, sports is one of the best and most effective ways to connect and be relevant. If you'd like more information on how Upward Sports can serve you, your church, your community, give our team a call at 1-800-585-4721. Upward Sports, play with purpose. You can just call the church or you can get in touch with me. But what a great ministry opportunity for our community. Um, uh, David kind of touched on it just a little bit. And so I just wanted to kind of emphasize that as believers, you are um, given a gift. And it is our responsibility, your responsibility to use that. Romans 12 talks about it. It says, each of us is to use that gift accordingly, whatever it is. And then I love 1 Corinthians 12 because it talks about how, like, we are not uh, just one member, but we are a ton of members in one body. And each member has a different function. And so if we were all, I, I made this up, I think it's kind of funny. If we were all a mouth, then who's going to do the listening? Right? Um, if in, in the scripture it says, if we're all eyes, who's going to do the hearing? So um, you might be a foot, you might be a hand, you might be um, a mouth, a nose, whatever. Um, but we cannot do this without volunteers. I already have somebody asking me, well, how much does it cost for my kid to participate? And I have to tell that person, look, like if we don't have the volunteers, then there's no upward. Um, but we really believe that uh, this is a way to get into the community, especially during the time of this uh, pandemic, because parents are scrambling. They uh, are struggling with what to do with their children in school and how to take care of extracurricular activities and try to give their families a normal, if you will. Um, but what greater opportunity than to sneak in and get these families and get them into the church and share the gospel. Um, great testimonies that you heard uh, from these gentlemen. And David and I have been a part of Upward for, we were part for quite a few years, and it was just amazing. So next Sunday in the fellowship hall after the service, we're going to have an information meeting. You do not have to know basketball, uh, but we do need coaches referees. We need people to pray. We need people to clean the gym. We need people to set up chairs. We need people 
um, just to volunteer their time, maybe just to come pray over kids, uh, to take pictures, just to, um, I don't know, get to know parents. Uh, but if you are just even interested in like, hey, what is this? I'm going to check this out. Come meet me after the service next week in the fellowship hall. All right. I will be there. I have to be there. But I want to be there is the bigger difference between the two. I love what this, uh, the potential that this has to do uh, with sharing the gospel in our community. And so I want you to just give prayerful consideration this week just to come and just to listen. No obligations, just to hear more details about what it would take and what it actually looks like. And we'll walk you through all of that next week. Also, I want to challenge you with the thought of this week. Can you identify one person in your life? One person that you know is in desperate need of receiving the grace of God. As you identify that person, will you pray for that individual? And will you find a way to talk to that person about the hope that's found in and through Jesus Christ? I mean, ideally, we need to be sharing his message of hope with people every day, at every opportunity. I'm just asking you to pray about one for this week. Find the one. Share the gospel with them. Pray for them. And keep on encouraging them. And may we together as a church have a great heart for our community. And may we be committed to do whatever it takes to share the gospel with each and every person. So that by grace, God can extend them the faith that they need to receive the salvation that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. So with great confidence, we can declare that Jesus is the son of God. In great confidence, we can declare that as believers, we have eternal life. And next week, with great confidence, we can know that God answers prayers. So that's where we're going to go next week. You can look at the next two verses in uh, 1 John chapter 5 uh, to read over them, to pray about it, to study them, and then we'll come together next week and we'll unpack them. Were there any announcements that I needed to do before we were done? Joel, why don't you come on up here? You have an announcement for us all here. You can use this one. So another area where you can help this week is uh, Thursday we're doing a Backyard Bible Club right outside here. And so from 9 a.m. till 11 a.m., if anybody wants to come and kind of help just be around, be praying for and meeting families that show up with their children, uh, it's an opportunity to, to introduce. Of course, we're going to be proclaiming the gospel and uh, for anyone that's listening. And so uh, you can hang out afterwards and have a conversation with those families, meet them and invite them to join us on Sunday mornings uh, here and become part of our family. So Thursday morning, July 30th, 9 till 11 a.m. Thursday is going to be a fun day. Hey, I want to invite you to stand with me. Uh, and Before we're dismissed, on behalf of my family, so on behalf of myself, KC, Logan, Tyler, Rose, Kanan, who happens to be Wade today, on behalf of all of us, I want to thank you for praying that our house would finally sell in Kansas. Ooh. Now it's sold and now we're homeless. So, no, I'm just kidding. We're not. But well, we're very thankful and very relieved to have that part done. And so two years plus it took 
But God was sovereign and faithful in and through it all. And so we are blessed and encouraged by it. Listen, if you want to talk about eternal life, if you want to talk about believing in Jesus, if you want to talk about how you can better serve him or more faithfully serve him, uh, the staff and I, we're going to stick around. We're available to talk with you and to encourage you and to pray with you if you should desire as we depart this morning. So with that being said, let me give you a blessing as we go. And may God bless you. May God go before you to lead you, behind you to protect you, beneath you to sustain you, and beside you to befriend you. Do not be afraid. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit will always be with you. So don't be afraid. Go, glorify God, and seek to make his glory known by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the preaching, teaching, and proclamation of his word and by serving one another in truth, love, and grace. Amen. See you next time, church.